are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening? Welcome to the Locked On Pistons podcast, your episode for Friday, May the 31st, and the trade winds are blowing in the Locked On NBA mock draft war room. But this is your boy Matt Shook, a sports writer here in Detroit City covering the NBA for the Associated Press and the Detroit News Pistons fan and follower my whole life and a sports newspaper reporter for over a decade as well. Thanks for the listen. Thanks for spreading the word about the Lockdown Pistons podcast. Today we're going to run down the action from game one of the NBA Finals. I'm also going to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit and talk about my experiences so far as being the Pistons general manager, president, everything, decision maker myself in a Locked On Network mock draft exercise that we're doing. Obviously, we will have the Lockdown NBA podcast with a full mock draft uh, shortly before the draft gets underway uh, a few days before. But I uh, wanted to share how that's going so far. We have not, I have not made the pick yet, but uh, some other interesting things to talk about in terms of trade possibilities. I wanted to maybe uh, at least share it with you guys, uh, the broad strokes, and also maybe get a little feedback from you guys as well. Uh, doing a little cheating, checking with my consultants, which are my listeners out there. We're also going to let you know that we're to be looking for my 15-man big board coming out. I want to do that by Monday, maybe Monday at the latest. Just a lot of stuff going on. I'm going to be heading to Grand Rapids on Saturday, also studying the uh, MLB draft a little bit this week and into the weekend, as you can be looking for my uh, players that the Detroit Tigers might be picking up with the fifth pick of the MLB draft. That's going to be Monday night, too, by the way. So a lot going on in the drafting world and the sports world. But give me a follow on Twitter, by the way, at Matt underscore Shook, S-C-H-O-C-H. Another underscore after that, also the Locked on Pistons Twitter account. And check us out on Facebook at Locked on Pistons dash Matt Shook as well. If you've been following me on those social media platforms, you will also know that I've been at Allen Park for Lions OTAs quite a bit this week, too. So busy times for your boy Matt. And uh, high school track in Grand Rapids tomorrow. Uh, Zealand, to be more particular, but uh, looking forward to getting back to the prep scene for one day as well. But today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. But meanwhile, the NBA Finals are happening. And for the first time in history, an NBA Finals game was played off outside of the borders of the United States of America. The Toronto Raptors got the win at home in Game 1 against the Golden State Warriors, 118-109 to on Thursday night. 32 points for Pascal Siakam, 14 of 17 from the field for him. Pascal, uh, it, there's it, he's, he's a very good player, and he had an outstanding game, no doubt about that. But th- there's a little bit too much to this narrative that he kind of came out of nowhere. He was already really good at the middle of last season. Um, kind of a rare guy who was like a legit candidate for most improved player for maybe two straight seasons now, which is a little bit of an oxymoron when you think about it. And ultimately could hurt his candidacy or should hurt his candidacy for the most improved player of the year award this year, if you heard that. But there's so much buzz um, about him right now that I think he's pretty much the slam dunk winner for this. Uh, and not, not not rightfully so, in my opinion. Um, I think that Pascal Siakam is probably a better player than D'Angelo Russell right now. But I do think that D'Angelo might be a better candidate for this year's most improved player than Siakam only because the uh, the ceiling was lower for 
uh, or the floor was lower for D'Angelo Russell coming into this season. Like I said, only because Siakam was pretty good last year. Uh, two years ago, D'Angelo was thrown in to a, to a trade by the Lakers to Brooklyn to get rid of Mozgov's contract, so it was just kind of a salary dump for the second pl- best player in the draft in his uh, you know weak year. But um, injuries last year for Russell, disappointing Brooklyn team, uh, became an all-star this season in his contract year. But no, I I don't I don't I'm not gonna have a strong opinion out here on most improved player. The other third finalist candidate is De'Aaron Fox of Sacramento. He's a guy that I really don't think should win this award. He made the leap this year, no doubt about that. But um, to me, his narrative doesn't really quite ring true with the award. He's a second year guy, and he was pretty good as a rookie. Got you know a lot better, quite a bit better. But that's that's what's supposed to happen for second year lottery guys. If you follow kind of the most improved, quote-unquote, literally, you could maybe throw those guys in, those second-year lottery guys. But I feel like the spirit of the award is more about more the mid-career guys or um, maybe some unexpected improvements like D'Angelo Russell or maybe bouncing back from an injury or off the court or something like that. But not really so much as like the expected improvements of a second-year lottery pick. But anyway, um, while we're on the most improved uh, you know, category, Uh, discussion here. How about another tangent? What if there was a most improved player award for just the Pistons? For me, I think that one, maybe the second place candidate would be Wayne Ellington, bouncing back from a rough season in Miami, especially the first half of his year. Um, So maybe not a most improved season because it wasn't a full season, but certainly the way he played for a couple months for the Pistons there, especially the first half of his tenure with the Pistons when he played very well, Uh, not so much at the end of the season and certainly not so much in the playoffs, but the, the number one and obvious and correct choice would for this would actually be Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin was the most improved player on the Pistons this year. So congratulations, you win the fictional most improved player award here from the Locked On Pistons podcast. But back to the issue at hand, 23 points on Thursday for Kawhi Leonard, who, by the way, like uh, if you're a Raptors fan, you might be, and, and this isn't anything new because we know he's got the, the knee that he's dealing with, but you might be a little bit concerned if you're Toronto doesn't appear to be vintage Kawhi. Don't love the explosion right now. Don't see huge extension and uh, and and stress putting on that knee and the way he runs. But uh, certainly, you know, a plus plus player, even uh, a little bit hobbled with the knee, and uh, you know, still one of the NBA's best players, no doubt about that. Twenty points and seven rebounds from Marcus All, who was very good. The defense, but I believe, like most, I'm not breaking any. Um, crazy uh, ideas here, but the, the defense for the Raptors was the key. They ran the Warriors off the three-point line. Not enough natural scoring outside of the three-point shooters for the Warriors right now. You look at guys like Kevon Looney and Sean Livingston, I'll throw into this group as well. Um, McKinney, you know, um, Quinn Cook, you know, guys that are good role players, but when Curry and Thompson are getting run off the three-point line like that and the assumption that KD's out, uh, there's just not enough from those guys that are able to create on their own and score, especially from two-point land, and uh, that's going to be a problem. And again, um, there's a lot of people out there on Twitter who are like, going back saying, all you people out there that said the Warriors are better without Kevin Durant, no, that's not the case. The Warriors are not better than Kevin Durant. I think it's a bit of a straw man. I don't think that there's a lot of people, especially serious people, who would have said that. Um, as much as we... Kind of hate on KD on this show. I would have never said that. I I have never said that um, either. You know, maybe without Kevin Durant, there's a little extra motivation for Curry and Clay and Draymond. 
But they are not a better team without Kevin Durant. There's no doubt about that. And we've never doubted Kevin Durant's ability and talent on this show as well. But like I said, if there were any people who thought about that, and I don't think there's a lot of people who thought that, uh, they kind of showed that in game one, missing uh, their guy, who would have been their guy that they would have relied on for a bucket if the first or second options in his possession kind of break down. But 34 points for Steph Curry, 21 for Clay. Needed more from him. Really interested to see if Clay ever becomes like the second best player or best player on a team, how that would go. I don't know if that would go as well as as one might think for a guy who's in the uh, all-NBA discussion year in and year out. But uh, also a hilarious triple-double for Draymond. 10 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. I think the first guy in – I saw it on Twitter. Forget to, to credit this to, but uh, first guy to ever go 10-10-10 on a playoff game in NBA history. But not only that, but the 10 rebounds were all defensive rebounds. So they're all kind of like you know the, the, the more meaningless of, of the rebounds. Six turnovers, five fouls. Two of nine from the field. So pretty much an objectively awful game, but got the triple-double for Draymond there. Uh, Next up, still in Toronto, is game two on Sunday. That's going to be an 8 o'clock start, moving it up an hour. So uh, plan your Sunday accordingly. The Raptors, one-and-a-half point favorites in that one, so moving up a half a point. Um, As you can kind of add the Andre Iguodala uh, uncertainty to the Golden State injury concerns with Boogie Cousins and KD. Boogie got some minutes in game one, just isn't getting it done. Hard to imagine that he has lots of positive moments in these finals. But uh, coming up on uh, Locked on Pistons, we're going to talk about pulling back the curtain on our mock draft exercise. Got some juicy non-rumor rumors to spread around just because they're rumors and that we're talking about them in our fake exercise, but not uh, real rumors in the uh, the real world. Want to be sure that we stress that. But uh, Himalaya is the free podcast platform that you need to be downloading. It's super easy to use, has every single podcast you love and are searching for an app that is personally curated, has personally curated playlists made just for you by our expert podcast tastemakers. Get it on the app store or Google play as well. Check it out. And when you're in your car, go ahead and tell your smart device to play podcast locked on pistons. All right, a little bit later on, I'm going to give you a little taste of my top 15 big board for the draft and maybe some surprises at a guy that I got it slotted at number six right now, a name that I really like. I'm going to finally throw it out there and why I'm so fascinated with the Pistons potentially moving up in the draft. But thanks again to Untuck It for sponsoring the Lockdown Pistons podcast. If you're looking for a great Father's Day idea, and I know you are, their shirts are specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. As you know, your dad wants to look good either way, and he probably doesn't want to go out and shop for his own. So this is the perfect gift for you to take care of two of the big things he needs in his life. No tucking or tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com, promo code NBA to get 20% off. Now I wanted to let you guys behind the curtain a little bit here. For the Locked On Podcast Network We are doing a mock draft where all the hosts of each of the teams are serving as the general managers and owners and and, uh, front office and all that good stuff. For the war rooms, I was a little bummed out because last year I wasn't able to participate with the Pistons not having a first-round pick. We're only doing the first rounds for our mock draft exercise here. So this will be coming out um, probably about a a week before the draft. We're going to put it out a little earlier than usual. 
um, because of some logistics there. So, so shortly before, and I'll have more details about when that's going to come out leading up to the June 20th draft, but we're, we're doing the legwork now. We're, we're throwing around the reply all email with the draft. And in addition to this, you know, you're encouraged to go ahead and make trades that work within the salary cap structure. So um, what we do is we kind of put out a spreadsheet that said, here's my needs and, um, you know, what I might be looking for in a trade if I'm looking to trade up or trade down and uh, and all that. So what I basically said is this player that I want, and I'm going to tell you about that player uh, as we go on here with the episode today, um, is someone who's probably not going to be available at number 15 Certainly will be available at like number six, but the best guesses from what I can kind of uh, gather around the league is he's probably something more like nine, you know, eight, nine, ten, something like that will be probably picked in that eight, nine to ten area. Um, so my thought, and so I kind of put that on the spreadsheet and said, I would like to move up to the eight, nine, ten area. And my thought was that uh, it would be a situation where it'd be a pick swap and there would be um, you know, something like the eighth pick, and I would be swapping out the 15 and then compensating the team with something else from the Pistons roster that would uh, would make that worth it for them. Um, as far as tradable assets, obviously the Pistons have kind of a boom or bust situation. You have a lot of guys that are negative assets that wouldn't work in there. And then you have uh, the Blake Griffins and Luke Kennards of the world that are certainly, I, in my opinion, and I believe around the league, positive assets, but too much of a positive asset to simply just uh, facilitate a pick swap up from 8 to 15. So really the only guys in my mind that are in that category of guys, depending on uh, how high or how low you are on them, are guys that might work in there. And I don't think the the expiring contracts of you know the Reggie Jacksons, John Lures, and uh, Langston Galloway's of the world, I don't think that at this point with still one season left, on their deals, that they are enough of a positive asset to facilitate that type of trade too. Now, if there's a team that you can find that would um, uh, believe in that asset or uh, you know have enough um, confidence in, in their abilities to, to need that cap space a year from now, then maybe you can do that. And it's worth the front office asking around to offer up those players to see if they could uh, swing uh, enough of a, a move up there. So anyway, uh, what my thought was that you could probably maybe give the team uh, a list and say, hey, look, we've got Kyrie Thomas, we've got Bruce Brown, and we've got Svi Mikhailuk, three guys that we like for different reasons, each of them, three guys that are certainly uh, guys who could be rotation players for good teams in the NBA throughout their career, maybe not quite yet for any three of them, uh, you know, Bruce Brown being a starter on the Pistons, but I wouldn't poss- classify the Pistons as a good team quite yet. So, uh, but we, I believe that all three of those guys, as they develop and as they kind of shore up their weaknesses and improve on their strengths, could be guys that are rotational players in good NBA teams in championship NBA teams. So um, I would probably just, and, and if it was, if you're moving up high enough, I would probably say that. I would probably just say, hey, we'll swap eight for for 15 with the Hawks or or nine for 15 with Washington or something like that and say you can have your pick of any of the three of these guys plus the idea being that um, you get three projects that are all going into their second years you start you need to give those guys minutes they're going to start kind of uh, hampering each other's developments in terms of the minutes that they need to be getting on the court to to improve so that was kind of my thought of where this might be headed now the number six team in the draft the Phoenix Suns the locked on Suns folks who are tired of being in the lottery, tired of drafting these unknown-ish commodities in the top five, top ten of the draft, and having them kind of fizzle out 
a direction directionless franchise in a lot of ways, a team that needs a veteran going forward. Well, they need not only do they need a power forward and a point guard to uh, leave um, Devin Booker a little bit more off the ball, where I think he ultimately has his uh, NBA destiny. They came to us, and uh, again, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to reveal any of this, but they came to us and said, we want Blake Griffin. So obviously that changes uh, the thinking of uh, what kind of uh, magnitude of moves that we're going to be making leading into the draft. So um, if you look at the roster makeup and the salary makeup for the Phoenix Suns, there's one player on the Phoenix Suns that needs to be included into that deal for any kind of chance of the salaries working. So go ahead and look at the Phoenix Suns rosters and salaries and ask yourself, if you were me, what would it take for you to get the number six? So this is this is a trade based around the number six pick in the draft on one side and the number and Blake Griffin on the other side. Now keep in mind, there's a very different uh, way of looking at it. You could either do the pick swap of six for 15, or you could take number six from them and not give up 15. So those are the two options on the table there of the variations of the different types of trades you could make. And keeping in mind that if you're trading away Blake Griffin and you're the Pistons, you're obviously making a big uh, kind of declaration about the direction of your franchise. You're obviously building for the future at that point, and you're going away from winning uh, in, in the, the short term. So keep in mind that when, when, when formulating trades and making trades, we haven't discussed any third teams. So give me some thoughts of what it would take from the Phoenix Suns war chest of assets, roster of players for you to make a deal for Blake Griffin. Now I know that there's going to be listeners out there that say there's no way I'd be trading uh, Blake Griffin to the Phoenix Suns and it, without Devin Booker coming back or something like that. Um, that's not the case in any of these trade offers. Now, if that's one that you want to throw out there, go ahead and make that offer and, and throw that one out me, but sh- give me some of this is your license to give me some of the screenshots of your uh, trade machine um, machinations out there and what you think uh, a deal might look like. Now, when I'm doing, when I'm looking at mock drafts, and they're they're a little bit of a futile exercise anyway, because in every sport, every every real draft, the the New York Jets are going to step up at number four and take something weird. Uh, same thing for the NBA. There's always something weird early. There's a big trade early that you couldn't really predict, and uh, so I don't really love. First of all, I don't love mock drafts as much as I used to. Second of all, I don't really love when mock drafts make these kind of crazy trades. So my inclination when I'm putting together a mock draft is to not make up a fake trade because it kind of ruins the integrity of the rest of the draft. Because, you know, if it's not going to happen, then the pick after it might be affected, blah, blah, blah. So um, I kind of shy away from making these deals. But on the other hand, I kind of overshadowing that philosophy is the idea that I come up here uh, and I've talked about this on the podcast, especially more lately. I believe the Pistons front office needs to do something. I think that they need to either, they need to make a a decision. Are we going for it right now? Or are we, um, you know, are we building for the future? I don't think they're doing either of those things right now. I think they need to be bold this offseason, prove why they're worthy of being front office members of an NBA team, uh, especially one as proud and as uh, you know solid as the Detroit Pistons have been, and not lately, but have been in the past. So I think they kind of need to put up or shut up. So if I'm going to say that on the podcast every day, then I need to kind of follow through and, and show what I would do if I was a front office member for the Detroit Pistons. And I believe that trading Blake Griffin is a reasonable course of action for this team this offseason because he's got the huge contract for the next three years. 
He's got uh, injury issues throughout his entire career. He's got high trade value right now compared to where it was last year and where I believe it will be over the next couple summers. So I think that this might be the time that you make that deal. If you listen to this show, you know I like Blake Griffin a lot. As a fan, I'm very high on Blake Griffin, the person and the player. Uh, We're very thankful for what he's been able to do for the Detroit Pistons franchise in his uh, short amount of time that he's been here in Michigan and uh, But that being said, I think for the direction of this franchise, it's a move that the front office and the Pistons should really, really think about exploring. So under the guise of that, send along what you think might be uh, reasonable trades that the Pistons and the Phoenix Suns might make for Blake Griffin. I'll tell you this. I think we're at a, a stopping point right now where there's one player that the Phoenix Suns want to include in the package, and there's a different player that I want to include in the package that would that might make the deal correct for me and 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 something that I would accept and uh on, on their sake the, the the framework that they see in it is the deal that they might accept now I don't think that I'm going to move towards their side and I'm kind of waiting for them to move towards our side uh, on that there so we'll see how that all shakes down and uh, I would love your feedback on that there kind of cheating my way with some consultants out there in listener land but remember I got the Himalaya free super easy to use podcast app um, themed collection of shows to help with your podcast discovery. We know you're always looking for new shows out there. You can find everything from comedy to mystery, thriller, and sports. Go ahead and find and download Himalaya on the App Store or Google Play Store. Don't forget to follow Locked on Pistons once you are there. Next up, we're going to talk about the big board a little bit. I'm going to reveal the player that I want the Pistons to trade up for or uh, you know, maybe keep your fingers crossed that he slides to 15. Don't really see that happening. But that's up next year on the Lockdown Pistons podcast, which is a proud member of the Lockdown Network, your team every day. Today's show also brought to you by Grip6 Ultra Lightweight with no holes, no flap, a great Father's Day gift. Go to Grip6. They got a special offer for you at grip6.com slash lock, L-O-C-K-E. These are belts, the best belt out there that you could possibly buy. Grip6, special offer for you, Grip6, the number six, dot com slash L-O-C-K-E, the last name of David Locke there. But uh, yeah, got the top 15 board that I'm working on. Not a whole lot of surprises in the top five. I think that uh, it's all, it's a little bit consensus-wise. I don't have DeAndre Hunter in my top five like a lot of folks do out there. But uh, the top three is pretty standard. I got Zion Williamson as one, no doubt there, as my alarm goes off to uh, remind me to do something that I'll probably forget to do. Uh, number two is Ja Morant of Murray State, no doubt about that. Number three, a little bit of debate in my head about this, but I did stick with R.J. Barrett of Duke at number three. I don't love him, but I've heard enough people say uh, good things about him that I respect, so going to keep him there at number three. My number four is going to be Darius Garland, the point guard from Vanderbilt, uh, just because uh, we'll get into maybe the, the top 15 board and more reasons about that later. But the potential there is huge, um, and the shooting there could be really good from the point guard position as well, a point guard of the future that the Pistons could build around there. And my number uh, five guy is going to be Jarrett Culver of Texas Tech. I like the potential there at 6'6 with a nice wing there for, but the number six guy is the one that kind of uh, jumps out, and it's a, a name that I've been teasing or a thing that I've been teasing on the show a little bit. The reason that, that I want the Pistons to consider moving up in this draft is more so because of the guys that I don't like under it. When we're looking at the, the big wings later in the draft, the guys that the Pistons might take a look at in terms of the fit for the roster, I'm talking about guys like Cam Reddish, 
Nasir Little, uh, Ryu, Ryu Huchimara, Kevin Porter, Grant Williams, uh, Romeo Lankford, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Some of these I like more than others. Keldon Johnson, Tyler Hero, you know, throw, throw those kind of guys into a group. And there's just not a lot to me that I like there. And I also believe that the Pistons are a team that should be building for the future. And all that said, number six on my list, a little bit higher than most people have him, is I have Sekou Dumbaya. The 18-year-old Frenchman, uh, long wingspan, six foot eight, uh, just just an athletic marvel out there, and uh, an upside pick that certainly could be a huge swing in the miss in the years to come. But a guy who could really be a difference maker. When I'm looking at the Giannis Antetokounmpo's of the world, when I'm looking at the Kawhi Leonard's of the world, and then again Pascal Siakam too. Uh, I just think that the Pistons need to kind of take one of those swings on a guy like Sekou Dumbaya. Yeah, I know the skills are a little rough. I know that the shot is not not there right now, and I know that the uh, the start to finish of a game effort isn't there quite yet. But uh, I just look at the tools that he has, the potential, the upside. I think that's a, a a worthwhile swing for the Pistons to make in an otherwise very weak draft. I just don't think a guy like Kevin Porter or Romeo Lankford or Cam Johnson or any of these guys from Kentucky, outside of P.J. Washington, who I kind of like, but uh, certainly not uh, the short-term need for the Pistons in the front court there. But I just think that Sekou Dumbaya and his potential for upside and the fact that, yes, this could be a bust, but it's worth rolling the dice on a bust in this and a potential bust in this type of draft when there's not a lot under him that's going to be very helpful to this team and this organization, which is why I don't have a problem doing a pick swap either. So we'll continue with the big board a little bit next week. I'll have some more in-depth thoughts about why. I go with certain guys in my top 15 for the Detroit Pistons, and we wanted to throw 15 out there just because um, as if we were drafting with the Pistons at 15, and if we had the first pick, if we had the second pick, if we had the third pick, so on and so on, who we would take. And as you're watching the draft, you can kind of scratch off the names, and you can decide who I would like the Pistons to take in that position if they were there all the way down to 15, where they will be there on the June 20th draft. But Himalaya, we're going to tell you about it one more time today. You can follow whoever you want in the Himalaya Podcast app. You can follow your favorite shows and creators. And uh, so go ahead and find and download Himalaya on your App Store or Google Play Store. And don't forget to follow Locked on Pistons. Once you're there, when you get in your car, go ahead and tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Pistons. That'll do it for the shows this week on the Locked on Pistons podcast. This is your host, Matt Shook. Uh, we'll go back probably to four episodes next week, squeeze in some more of these draft uh, spotlights and profiles. This has not been the Siku Dumbaya profile. We'll do a bigger one with him. Looking for some special guests to talk about some of these draft prospects as well. But uh, enjoy the weekend. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week on the Locked on Pistons podcast.